ask you just to remain standing. Reach for your Bibles quickly, please, this morning, if you don't mind, while you're still on your feet. And I want you to turn to the book of Galatians with me, chapter 5, this morning. And while you're turning there, um, I've been meaning to do this the last couple of weeks because she has been in church, but it's, it's been good the last several weeks to have Sister Jackie Dehart back with us. Uh, she had knee replacement uh, quite a while ago and has been making her way through that journey and uh, dealing with some complications and some minor setbacks along the way. But thankfully, she is she's back with us. Sister Dehart, it's it's good to see you. We're glad that you're glad that you're here this morning, and uh, we're just glad today to to have you back with us. That's all right. Let her know you're glad she's with us this morning. Now, in Galatians chapter 5, if you don't mind, please, over the next several weeks, I want to begin talking about something I'm going to call I pray. And uh, I tell you what, go ahead and be seated. Pastor Tony, keep playing if you don't mind. Just go ahead and be seated because I want to talk to you for a minute before I read this. I don't want anybody to, I don't want your legs to grow tired or weary and you to check out on me. But I'm going to take the next few weeks and I'm going to preach some very practical, very simple how-tos as it relates to spiritual growth and spiritual disciplines. Now, it's, it's easy for me to get up here on Sundays and, and preach a red-hot three-point because it feels good kind of sermon. But if I don't find a balance in there and teach you some practical things to do to grow spiritually, then I'm, I'm cheating you and I'm robbing you from some things that, that you need to know. So over the course of the next several weeks, I'm going to talk about something I call I pray. And beginning next Sunday, we are going to enter into 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, I'm assuming over the course of the last, I don't know, several years, this church has probably participated in, in prayer and fasting. But here, here's my belief. It's easy for me to ask, ask us to do something without really explaining it. And I'm just the kind of preacher or the kind of pastor, if I ask you to do something and I believe that something's important, I want to talk about some of the how-tos and the whys that we do what we do. And uh, over the next few weeks, I'm going to talk uh, about I pray. And we're going to talk about a lot about fasting, a lot about spiritual disciplines. And I'm hoping that, that next Sunday, you're going to join me on this journey of 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. Let me tell you this. On your connection card, there's a place that you can check a box that lets me know you're going to, to participate in some shape, form, or fashion in, in I pray. 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. And I'm asking all of you that will. You don't have to go the whole 21 days. You don't have to, you don't have to give up food entirely for 21 days. But I'm asking you somehow and in some way, beginning next Sunday, to join me and to participate in 21 days of prayer and fasting. Indicate that on your connection card and turn that connection card in because I want to know who's joining with me. So Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to talk a little bit more about, about this over the course of the next few moments in the next few weeks. Galatians 5, verse number 7. I want to read to you just one verse of Scripture. 
And here's what Paul says. You ran well. Who hindered? Everybody say hindered. Say it one more time. Say hindered. <clears throat> Who hindered you? <clears throat> excuse me. From obeying the truth. You ran well. Paul said you started out good. But something hindered them from obeying the truth. Now I want to take a few moments this morning. And my intention was to start this last Sunday, but the Holy Spirit just kind of had some other plans for us and moved in and ministered in a different way. But I want to talk to you this morning on this thought, hindered. Everybody say it one more time. Say hindered. Father, for the next few moments, help me today to articulate and to communicate the truth of your word. God, I believe that your word is full of practicality, God, and how-tos to, to live a disciplined Christian life for the purpose of growth. So I'm asking you today, Father, to help me to communicate what I believe you've laid on my heart and what you've put on my heart. God, not only for today, but for these next several weeks as we look forward to and anticipate. God, these next several weeks of prayer and fasting and growing in you. Father, touch our ears to hear today, our eyes to see, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. The church said amen. God bless you, Pastor Tony. Thank you this morning. I, I once heard someone say that you'll be impressive for how you start, but you'll be remembered for how you finish. You'll be impressive for how you start, but you'll be remembered <clears throat> for how you finish. And while I agree wholeheartedly with that statement, I'd also like to add to it that how you start goes a long way in determining how you finish. As we have entered in <clears throat> to a brand new year, hard to believe that 2015 is already gone it's like we've blinked, and here we are three days in to 2016. As we have entered this new year, and as we anticipate all that, that God is going to do in this upcoming year, I, I believe that reflection is always in order. Now, there are some people who will tell you that looking back is dangerous and it's unhealthy. But I, for one, believe that taking some time to reflect and taking some time to look back can be very beneficial as long as we don't get stuck in the past. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, and said this, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing that I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul did not say that he never looked back. 
Paul was not indicating that he never took a few moments to reflect. He simply said, and I believe was indicating to us, that after looking back and after reflecting, we don't live there and get stuck there. Once you take a moment to look and you take a moment to learn and you take a moment to glean from the past, then it's time to move on and start new. And I'm always excited to start a new year. I don't know about you, but, but when we get close to January, I, I start anticipating the beginning of something new. And I'm, I'm ready to, to press forward. I'm ready to reach toward all that God has for me as an individual this year and all that God has for us as a church this year. However, I, I don't believe that we can really start the new year off right without taking some time to look behind us and reflect on 2015. Now, if you're like me, every single year ends with unmet expectations. It ends with unreached goals. It ends with unfulfilled dreams. It ends with missed opportunities. And when I get to the end of the year and I look back, there are many regrets that I have. Many of you have already possibly written down and started what we call New Year's resolutions. And most of you probably before January is over will have already bailed on your New Year's resolutions. Am I, am, am I talking to anybody? Because it's always at the beginning of the year we're going to get healthier. We're going to eat better. We're going to get up every morning and exercise. And we're going to do this and do this and do this. I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. But I am a big fan of looking back and reflecting over what I hope to accomplish this past year and then setting some goals and having some expectations of this upcoming year. And I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to get to the end of this year and feel like I did at the end of last year. And I believe it's important that in order for us to really get to the place that God wants us, we've got to take a few moments and reflect and ask ourselves this question. I want you to, to take a few moments as I make my way through this message today. And it's very practical and it's very simple. And you're probably not going to shout and run the aisles, but I believe it's going to help us as we look forward to what God wants to do in us. Because listen, God did not call you just to spiritually stagnate where you are. God called us to spiritual growth. Well, that didn't give me a whole lot of anything right there. God didn't call us to just maintain. There's more to God than we're presently experiencing right now. And here's the truth. If you want to go through the motions in 2016 and come to church and do your religious duty and, and spend a couple of hours with God in church on Sunday and think that's all there is, you're going to miss out on so much that God has for your life this year. Because there's more to it than what we do on Sunday mornings. God wants to speak to you. God wants to talk to you. God wants to reveal himself to you. 
And I believe that as we look back, we, we have to ask ourselves this question. What hindered us in 2015? Let me ask this. Did anybody just have a perfect 2015 and nothing went wrong in 2015? And if you raise your hand, you're the biggest liar ever known to man. <clears throat> Did anybody have some expectations that you had set for 2015 and you didn't meet all those expectations? Did anybody have some goals that you didn't reach in 2015? Does anybody, can anybody in here say today that, Pastor, there are some regrets I have looking back over this past year, over 2015? It happens. And we have to ask ourselves, what, what hindered us? What held us back last year? What was it in 2015 that kept us from being and doing all that God wanted us to be and all that God wanted us to do? What kept us from meeting expectations? What kept us from reaching goals? What kept us from fulfilling dreams? What, what kept us from seizing opportunities? What, what kept us from making better decisions and sound choices? What was it that hindered us this past year? That's a question that the Apostle Paul asked to a group of people in a place called Galatia. He said to them, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? He was asking that question and writing that letter to a group of converts that he had won to Christ in a church in Galatia. And at some point, these false teachers and this foreign influence had crept its way into the church and had convinced those people that Paul had won to Christ that salvation could be obtained through some, through some other means rather than Christ. They were teaching them that the observance of Jewish rites and ceremonies could help them obtain salvation. And somehow, in some way, those converts, they, they bought into that lie that those people were teaching them. That's why Paul would say in Galatians 1 and 6, I marvel, he said, that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. How quickly they forgot what Paul had taught them. How quickly they had strayed away from the truth that salvation can only be found in Christ. And I would like to stop here and I would like to tell you today that as old as that principle may seem and as old as that truth may seem, there is still only one name that is given under heaven that man can be saved and it is through the name of the Lord Jesus. Christ, you cannot find salvation in Allah. You can't find it in Muhammad. You can't find it in Confucius. But it is still found in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is salvation given only under one name. It is the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm glad today that we can be saved through the shed blood in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're glad about that today, come on and praise the Lord. And that question that Paul asked is so intriguing to me. It, it, it's riveting to me. He said, you ran well, but who 
hindered you. What, what was Paul talking about? What did Paul mean when he said to them who hindered you? That word hindered there, it is an Olympic expression that Paul uses. And it gives us the picture of a runner who was on this course racing toward a finish line. When someone comes in with the purpose of throwing them out of the way or jostling them and getting them off course. So Paul, when he says what hinders you, who came in, it could really be translated to mean this, who drove you away? Who prevented you from doing what you wanted to do and what you were supposed to do? The message translation reads like this. It says, you were running superbly. Who cut in on you, deflecting you from the true course of obedience? And see, we set our sights and we set our minds and we set our focus on so much at the beginning of the year. But somehow we seem halfway through or maybe a third of the way through or maybe into the fall, we seem to get tripped up and we seem to stumble and sometimes we, we get off course. And I don't want us to be hindered this year. I want us to receive all that God has for us in 2016. I want you to receive all that God has for your life in 2016. I want you to grow in God and go places in God that you've never gone before. But if you're not careful, there is an enemy of your soul that as you set your face like a flint and you set yourself in motion to run the race that is before you, there are things, there are People that will come in to hinder you and throw you off course. And I don't want to miss the mark this year. I don't want to miss what God has for me. So Paul says, who hindered you? Who kept you from obeying the truth? Here's the question I'd like you to Think about for a moment, who or what hindered you from doing all that you wanted to do in 2015? There's another passage of Scripture, if you'll bring that up, please, that Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, he writes. And here's what Paul says. It's up here on the screen. Don't you realize that in a race... Everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So Paul said, run to win. Verse 25 says, all athletes are disciplined. Boy, that's a word we don't like, isn't it? Now, I'm going to teach a little bit today, all right? We don't... I don't like to be disciplined. Do I, do I have anybody here that as a child you just enjoyed your father spanking you with the belt? Anybody get any delight out of that? I didn't think you did. And I certainly don't like to be disciplined by the Lord. But the Bible teaches that he whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. 
Here's what he says now. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. And I'm going to give you some context here in a minute. But we do it. Now, he's, notice the spiritual shift here. He's talking about running a race and winning a prize. And, and here's what Paul has in mind here. He's writing from the viewpoint of these Greek Olympic games that, that would take place. And there'd be all kind of, of events. There would be running. There'd be boxing, chariot racing, all kind of stuff. And the winner of these Olympic games would get this crown made of these, these branches and these twigs. And, and they would be woven and bound together and placed on their head. That was a crown, but that was a crown that would perish. And Paul's here talking now about spiritual things. These athletes in these Olympics that he's referring to, they do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Next slide, please, verse 26. So I run with purpose in every step. Watch this now. Keep in mind, he's got this, these Olympic games in mind. I'm not just shadow boxing. But I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, he said, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Listen, let me just run through this real quickly. There's four things, and they're going to be brief because there's some other things I want to talk to you about, that Paul talks about here. Number one, he talks, first of all, about a steady pace. Now listen, you have to understand that, that this year, if you're really going to get all that God has for you, you've got to find some balance in your life. I'm not going to get a whole lot of help this morning. Somebody elbow your neighbor and tell them to wake up, please. Listen, I'm telling you now, I don't know about all the other denominations, but Pentecostal Church of God people are some of the most out-of-balance people I've ever met in my life. I got one yep right here on the front row. And he would say, yep, I think it doesn't matter what I say. Just because he's a good support. <laughs> Listen, have you ever noticed that, that people, they're either, now I'm just talking church people now. Let me talk church of God Pentecostal people because that's the only reference point I have, Pastor Weaver. I don't know anything else. They're either way up here or they're way down here. Either they're ready to take on Jezebel and the 850 prophets of Baal, or they're down here at rock bottom lip dragging so far, and the devil's been on my back all week, and I don't know how I'm going to make it. And for the life of me, when I was a kid, we would have these popcorn testimony services. I went to the Stafford Church of God as a boy. Glenn Thomas was, was our pastor. He'd say, anybody want to stand up and testify? And these people would get up. And it didn't dawn on me at the time as a five- or six-year-old boy, but later on, they'd get up and say, well, the devil been on my back all week. And I've been so sick, and it's been so hard, and I'm so weary. And if I'd have thought about it back then, I might would have popped up and said, if he's been on your back all week, why don't you kick him off? And there's no balance to our life. And I'm going to tell you, listen, I have this personal philosophy that I live by. Don't let the highs get you too high. Don't let the lows get you too low. Because at any moment, it will and it can change. 
We've got to find a steady pace this year. And listen, just because something goes wrong, it's not time to throw in the towel and quit and it's over. Oh, my God, when am I going to do life as I know it is over? you got to find some balance this year. you got to find a steady pace Paul talked about. Listen, Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes, the race is not to the swift. Let me ask this this morning. Has anybody in here ever went out jogging before? Okay, that was a, that was way I want you to participate. Okay, you ready? Has anybody in here ever been out jogging before? Thank you. Have been on a treadmill and tried to run before? Now, listen, if you're going to run any kind of distance or length, you don't start out of the gate 100 miles an hour, do you? I've tried that. It's terrible. It don't last very long. But if you're planning on running, you know, maybe two, three, or four miles, you know, you set the treadmill to a certain speed and you kind of work your way up. At least that's what you're supposed to do. Because, listen, you, you can't get to the finish line in a long-distance race in just a matter of seconds, but you've got to find a steady pace. Listen, you need to pace yourself this year. Find a balance in your life this year. And when the good things happen, celebrate and rejoice. And if something bad happens, listen, don't throw the towel in and quit just because something bad has gone on. Steady yourself out and find a balance somewhere in the middle. Listen, Church of God Pentecostal folks, you know way back in the day, the pendulum was either way over here or it was way over here. I mean, it was no makeup, it was no jewelry, it was no pants, it was no movie theaters, it was no mixed bathing because we were all going to die and split hell wide open. And then as time has gone on, we couldn't find a balance. Now it's going way over here, and now folks just believe they can do whatever they want, live however they want to. Man, I'm preaching good today. So we got to find a steady pace. Then Paul talks here about a spiritual perspective. Can I encourage you this year? Start looking at life through the lens of eternity. Everything down here is temporary. It's all going to pass away. It's not going to be like this forever. You've got to look at your troubles. You've got to look at your struggle. You've got to look at your battles. You've got to look at your tribulation through a spiritual lens and know that it is just a temporary thing that is going on. This too shall pass, Paul said. I want you to get a spiritual perspective. Listen, I'm telling you, if you'll look hard enough, you can find God in everything this year. And he talks here about a simple purpose. A simple purpose. He said, I run to win. I run to win. Four words. I run to win. Back in Philippians, what did he say? One thing I do. Not three, not four, one, a simple purpose. Why don't we make it our aim this year and determine in our hearts that everything that we do that we say is going to be for the purpose of pleasing and glorifying God? A simple purpose. And then he talks about a spiritual passion. I'm going to talk to you for a moment about spiritual passion. Spiritual passion is directly related to and connected to your spiritual disciplines. Don't shout me down. 
And spiritual disciplines are necessary in the life of every believer. Now, let me just be real candid here for a moment. And since I'm talking about Church of God and Pentecostal people, we can have all the hype that you want to have on a Sunday. And I'm going to probably make some of you mad right here, but I love you. And we can shout and we can run the aisles because historically through the years, this church has been known for its Pentecostal exuberance. Am I right, Pastor Weaver? <clears throat> and I'm all for being Pentecostal. Listen, I'll shout at the drop of a hat and I'll drop the hat to shout. And I'm all for the gifts of the Spirit operating, the gifts of the Spirit should operate in the church. And I'm all for powerful altar calls, and I'm all for the Spirit moving upon people however he chooses, and I'm all for running the aisles and shouting and dancing and falling out in the Spirit. All that is wonderful and fine and great, and that should be a part of our services and of our life. But if that's all you live on, it's a shallow existence and a shallow experience. Boy, I'm going to preach good today. Because here's what I found out. We can shout and we can dance and we can rejoice and people can fall out and have a big time. But if there is no life change, what a waste. And shouting won't change your life. Because here's the truth. We can come here, down here today and have this experience and feel something. And by the time you get in your car and get home and get to lunch, the feeling will be gone. Now, don't you dare leave here and say, oh, pastor's trying to drum down and tone down. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is this. We've got to get to a place that we start growing in Christ. We start maturing in Christ. We graduate to the next stage of our spiritual walk with God, and a shout won't get it. But there are some spiritual disciplines that will help us to grow. And Jesus talked in Matthew 6 about some spiritual disciplines. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 6, he talked about three. He talked about praying. He talked about giving. And then it's that dreaded F word, fasting. Oh. And the way that Jesus talked about it, it didn't even leave the door open for discussion, Aunt B. He said, when you pray... When you give and when you fast. He didn't say if. He didn't say if it's convenient. He didn't say if you feel like it, Brother Beckner. He said when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. I'm going to take the next few weeks and we're going to talk a little bit about fasting. Now, can I be honest and upfront and transparent with you? This is my flesh speaking. I don't have a problem praying, I don't have a problem giving. I've been tithing since I was 15 years old and held my first job at Chick-fil-A. That's 24 years until May. It'll be 25. I've been tithing for 24 years. I've made it a habit, a daily discipline to pray every single day of my life. And those are easy. But God help me. I hate fasting. I even only like say the word. And, you know, I know that I knew we were preparing for a fast, and I've got the date set, and a couple weeks out, a couple weeks prior, I just kind of get this dreaded feeling. And every meal I eat, I think, in a few days, that could be my last meal. It's awful. 
Don't you act so holy. Oh, I, I love fasting. You are lying. I mean, there's, we did it. We, we've done 21 days of fasting and prayer for years at Rocky Mount. Churches across the, the world do it. I remember one year I did 21 days, and I'm not trying to be braggadocio, but I did just liquids for 21 days. And it started, it started at, at, at 12 o'clock that, that Sunday morning. It started at 12 o'clock. I, I stayed up. I stayed up till midnight so I could eat. They all went to bed. Casey, what are you doing? I said, I'm staying up. Why? Because at 12, I'm not kidding, at like 11.58, I was like counting down. Hallelujah. And I'm not kidding, 11.59, I'm looking at my watch, 3, 2, 1. I was gone to the kitchen. And it wasn't anything extravagant. But you know, when you fast, you kind of start having this taste for stuff. Now, I've been known to, ever, anybody ever fast it and you smell food when you fast? It's terrible. I mean, I'd be walking around and say, I smell a Whopper. Where's that Whopper? And Kelly goes, you don't smell anything. I smell something. And I'd had this hankering for, for a bagel and cereal at some point in the fast. So at, at 12 o'clock that night, I had a bagel. I had some anything else I could find. It was wonderful. Oh, it was great. And you know why we hate fasting so much? Because our flesh despises it. It's such a spiritual thing, and our flesh kicks against everything that's spiritual. Let me give you some facts on fasting real fast. Real fast. There you go. And you can't fast fast. Fasting, it is not a, it is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Now, Jesus or the scripture talks about fasting 77 different times. Jesus taught about fasting. And the way that he taught about it, he taught it in such a way that it was a, a, it was a principle he taught that was an expectation for every Christian person. Fasting is one key, one key, that will unlock the anointing, the blessing, and the favor of God in your life. And I, I'm pretty certain this church has fasted through the years, but I was determined that this fast this year, I'm going to explain some things to you, why we do it, how we do it, and what makes it most effective. Because I can get up here and say, we're going to fast, and you can say, yeah, pastor, we'll follow you, we'll fast. But why are we doing it? What's the point? Let me talk to you about, talk to you just for a moment about fasting with a purpose. Listen, every time and any time that we fast, we should fast with a, listen to me, a spiritual purpose in mind. And I'm going to talk next week about some specifics about fasting and why we fast. And our number one goal for fasting, there's a lot of purposes, a lot of goals, and I hope that you'll write some of those out this year. I'm going to talk to you about that. But the number one reason we fast is to draw closer to Jesus Christ. I want to be close to him. I'm not content with where I am. I want to hear the Lord talk to me. I want to get revelation of the word of God. I want to see God work in my life and in your life. But without a, without a purpose for your fasting, it becomes a self-centered, miserable experience. Without a purpose, it just becomes a weight loss fast. And by the way, when you fast, you will lose weight. But that's not the purpose. You don't go into it going, yeah. 
I'm going to fast and my pants are going to be looser and I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to look buff and look good. You've missed it. That's a fringe benefit of fasting. And you will drop weight. You will. If you fast right, you'll drop some weight. Even if you cut things out of your diet. But if you, if you don't have a purpose, it becomes, it becomes a, a waste. And you should never, ever fast to try to earn God's favor. Listen, don't use fasting as a way to impress God or earn his acceptance. We are accepted and made right with God through the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross, nothing more and nothing less. And don't think, well, if I fast, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be something special in God's eyes and I'll get more than my neighbor gets. That, that's not the case. But we fast for the purpose of drawing closer to him. And next Sunday, I'm hoping there's going to be, there will be an insert in your bulletin I'm going to prepare for you that will allow you to write down specific reasons and your purpose for fasting. Now, some of you, I, I might be able to read some of your minds. And there's some folks that are sitting here thinking, oh, my gosh, is he done yet? I am not going to fast. Well, suit yourself. That's okay. I don't know why he would talk about this. What? <sighs> Come on, could you move along, Pastor? Oh, I, don't, I don't need to fast. Yes, you do. And if you're thinking that, that's one of the reasons you need to fast. Fast for your bad attitude. Woo, boy, I'm feeling good today. You know why? I'm just mad because in a week i got to start fasting. I'm just going to get it all out right now. I'm mad and frustrated. Now, let me talk to you. Next Sunday, January the 10th, we're going to begin 21 days of prayer and fasting. And January the 10th through January the 31st will be that 21-day window that we're going to fast. And pastor, why, why the first of the year? Why not, you know, 40 days leading up to Easter? Why not in the summer? Why not in the fall? Listen, fasting should become a lifestyle for us. And we don't just do it for those 21 days, but I, I try to practice the discipline of, of one day a week. I fast something one day a week. But why the first of the year, pastor? Because here's what I believe. How you start the year, it sets the course for how the rest of the year will go. You'll be impressive for how you start, but you'll be remembered for how you finish. And how you start goes a long way in determining how you finish. I don't know the, 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 the years, but I, this will probably be at least our eighth or ninth year that we have started the year off with fasting and prayer, 21 days. There's this huge fasting movement that has swept the nation. Jensen Franklin, I mean, he's really kind of the one who... who, who kick-started it. And I'm telling you, literally hundreds of thousands of people across the world fast the first few days of January. So why the first of the year, Pastor? Because I believe that, that how you start the year determines how the year goes. Just as, listen, if you begin your day with prayer, I have found this to be true. I try to have my prayer time first thing in the morning. And usually, if I happen to miss that and I have to do it later on in the day or the evening, the day just doesn't seem to go the same. And if, if you start your day with prayer, 
I believe it, it, it determines how your day goes, and it covers everything that will happen during the day. Pastor Tony, come play for me, please, sir. I'm going to land this. So when you give those first few days of the new year to God, it has a huge bearing on how the rest of the year will turn out. And when you fast at the first of the year, because listen, God's a God of first things. We give him the first of our day through prayer. We give him the first of our week, don't we? First day of the week through worship. We give him the first of our finances and the tithe, right? Hey, the praise team, they're just transitioning to sing. Stay right here. It's all right. I don't want to lose you here. You know why God accepted Abel's offering in Genesis and didn't accept Cain's offering? The Bible says Cain just brought him some fruit from the ground. But Pastor Weaver, Abel brought him the firstborn of his flock, Brother Kenny. The firstborn. So there's something, Brother E's, about the first. And I'm convinced that when we fast, man, I just sense the Holy Ghost right here. I'm I'm telling you, I believe some of you are going to tap into some stuff this year. Some of you, you're going to make up your mind that for these 21 days or at some point in these 21 days, you're going to participate in this fast. I'm telling you, God's going to do some amazing things in your life. I just felt the Holy Spirit witness that to me right where I'm standing. Some of you who have never fasted before, you're going to find God to, to be amazing in your life this year by dedicating yourself to this discipline. And when we, when we give the first few days of the new year, these first 21 days, or 21 days in January... I believe we released the principle found in Matthew 6, 33, where Jesus said, Seek ye first oh, come on. the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. I believe when we give the first days of the new year to God, I believe that if you'll do that, I'm telling you, you need to get ready for all these other things to be added to your life all throughout the year. Now, out in the lobby, there is something I call a fasting resource table. I want to take a few moments. I want to talk to you about some of those things and what I'm hoping and anticipating. And don't check out on me here because we're getting ready to come to this altar. We're going to pray a prayer of consecration and dedication to God. But we're going to conclude this fast on January the 31st with what I call a celebration Sunday. We're not going to celebrate that we're done, which that, you know, there'll be some folks, and I'll be one of them, hallelujah, we're done. We're going to celebrate for what God has done and what God is going to do. And we're going to conclude our first our, our, our fast with something I call a first things first offering. I've been doing this every year for years. Because how you start your day determines how the day goes, how you start your year. And I believe how you give at the beginning of the year financially determines how your year goes financially speaking. Now listen, I've been doing I did this at Rocky Mountain for years. I'm going to ask you on the 31st to bring a first things first offering as a way to set the tone for your finances for the rest of 2016. Pastor, that's not going to work. I'm going to tell you, I'll I'll call the secretary and get you numbers from Rocky Mount. I mean, people that just came. Now, I'm not asking you to, not, not your tithe, 
Not just your regular offering, but an offering above and beyond that. Some folks give a week's salary. Some folks give a month's salary. Listen, at one, one offering one year, Brother Turpin, that church ran 150 people. They gave $20,000. What are we going to do with that money? We're just going to bank it, aren't we, Pastor? No. We're going to give a portion of it to world missions, and we're going to help people across the world hear the gospel. We're going to take some of that, we are going to set it aside, and we're going to be good stewards, and we're going to do some remodel of this church because I found out recently that in 2016 that the state wants to host camp meeting here, and we've got some work we need to do on this building. And I believe that God's house ought to look better than our house. <clears throat> See, I've just been for 10 months, I've been buttering you up, just preparing you for this kind of preaching. We're going to give an offering above and beyond our regular tithe and offering. We're going to give it part of it to missions. Our world missions director is going to be here February the 28th, Tim Hill. And he's already talked to me, talked to me about a project he wants, to, be, he wants to, to do in world missions. He wants to help send a, a, all of our missionaries in the church of God. Brother, he wants to help send them to General Assembly. All of our missionaries. And we're going, we're going to participate in that project. We're going to set some aside and be good stewards with the finances that God gives to us. And we're going to earmark it for remodel. So we're going to give. On that same Sunday, we're going to have a water baptismal service on that celebration Sunday. Right in the middle of our Sunday morning service, we're going to baptize people and celebrate what God is doing in people's lives. We're going to celebrate the end of the fast, and we're going to celebrate in faith what God's going to do this year. Now, on that fasting resource table, it's out here in the lobby on this side over here. It would be my, my right over here. There's some resources for you. On that table, there is a fasting fact sheet. And I've taken the time to copy them and put it out there, and I want you to stop by that table get this sheet. There's all kind of facts about fasting and why and, and, and what. Also on that table, there is a Daniel fast menu. Let me talk to you quickly. TV, spiritual fasting, biblical fasting is fast as we're used for spiritual purposes. There's a normal fast. There's two types of fast. A normal fast is where you give up food and just drink liquid. Now, if you've got health conditions and medical issues, then, then you know that. So you've got, to, you've got to take care of that. And we'll talk about some of that over the next couple of weeks. But there's also a partial fast where you give up a, a certain part of your diet. In the book of Daniel 1 and 12, remember they, they ate vegetables and they drank water for 10 days? Another place in Daniel, they gave up meat, they gave up sweets, they gave up the king's drink, and they had just fruit and vegetables and water. You can give up sweets, you can give up caffeine, give up coffee. But a partial fast, you eliminate some kind of food from your diet. A partial fast is also a, a certain number of days that you fast. It can be a sun up to sundown or, 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 or you know, 6 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock at night. That's a partial fast. I'm not expecting all of you to say, hey, pastor, I'm going to give up food and drink water for 21 days. That may not be realistic. And if you've never fasted before, don't, don't bite off more than you can swallow. No pun intended there. I mean, do, do something, though. And the Daniel fast is really popular, and folks will give up meat, they'll give up sweets.